these projects are not just spreadsheets, right? You are in the community. We want to be in the community. And I want to make sure that our face and presence is felt everywhere and that we're building these projects, we're getting cost savings, but that we're also getting into the community, working with the schools, teaching about careers and renewables, all of that stuff. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangen. So let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. The podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. Our website's www.reneuenergy.com. I'm excited on the podcast to have John Moran and Jordan Leventhal. And they're talking about an innovative platform that they've created called Reactivate which launched on January 12th. It's a solar energy platform supporting development in local communities. It's a partnership between Invenergy, which is a leading privately held global developer and operator of sustainable energy solutions, and Lafayette Square, an impact investment platform. John Moran is the managing director of Lafayette Square, and Jordan Leventhal is head of growth and innovation at Invenergy. I really appreciate John and Jordan talking about Reactivate. This is the first time that they've done a podcast interview to talk about this platform. Reactivate expects to finance, acquire, develop, and operate solar energy projects, primarily serving low to moderate income LMI communities and areas affected by the clean energy transition. The platform will focus on community solar, small-scale utility-scale solar projects, next generation projects such as energy storage, building electrification, and electric vehicle charging infrastructure. Reactivate seeks to make an impact by increasing access to renewable energy and providing energy cost savings for LMI families and individuals who subscribe to its solar projects to receive credits on their energy bill. The company will create development, construction, and operation jobs while focusing worker training efforts on traditionally underrepresented segments of the workforce and those transitioning to the renewable energy industry. These projects are all expected to generate property tax revenue for local governments, create opportunities for minority and women-owned businesses. By 2030, Reactivate seeks to develop three gigawatts of renewable energy capacity save $50 million in energy costs for LMI household, sign 100 contracts with minority or women-owned contractors, and facilitate workforce training for 2,500 underserved workers. There are a lot of interesting points that Jordan and John make in this podcast interview. Some of them is talking about their new platform, Reactivate, and how it's focused on providing energy and renewable energy solutions to LMI households and workforce training, and how it's taking both strengths of Invenergy and Lafayette Square to create that. They're one of the first platforms to focus on environmental justice, providing access to solar and other energy to low moderate income communities. They also talk about how Reactivate is solar 2.0 or version 2.0, which I thought was really interesting. And they talk about the many benefits of a community solar, not just like the residential customer, but the townships the landowners who are receiving the lease payment. They talk about how Reactivate differentiates from other investors. I thought it was interesting one of the trends they talk about, as well as how the perfect land sites for solar in the U.S. have been taken. Also, Jordan from Invenergy talks about the press release that they had earlier in January, on January 7th, where they raised $3 billion in investment from Blackstone Infrastructure Partners to accelerate renewable energy development activities. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Solar Maverick podcast. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. 
Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I'm really excited in this episode of the podcast to have John Moran and Jordan Leventhal. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Benoit. Oh, anytime. Excited to be here. I really appreciate you both making the time. It's an exciting announcement with Reactivate, a joint venture between Invenergy and Lafayette Square. John Moran's the managing director of Lafayette Square, and Jordan's the head of growth and innovation at Invenergy. It would be great if you could talk about your backgrounds before we get started the interview and about both the companies that you're involved in, then to talk more about you know Reactivate and this recent joint venture announcement. And I really appreciate this being the first platform where you're doing an interview talking about it. So thank you for the opportunity. Sure. No, thanks, Benoit. Maybe Jordan, I'll go first. So Benoit, we've seen each other over the years. I've been working in solar since 2006 and um, you know was lucky enough. I live in New York City. City, but that New Jersey had a great program and, you know, was able to install a bunch of projects in New Jersey over the years and develop a bunch of projects. You know, I started out a small EPC firm called All Power and then that led me to EDF and was working with EDF. And then I worked at SunTech for a little bit, which led me eventually to S Power. You know, that's where when utility solar really took off and it was a great experience and developed a bunch of projects in Massachusetts and Long Island. And then from there, that led me to the Goldman Sachs Renewable Power Group and then came over to Lafayette Square in June, you know, Lafayette Square has three main divisions. They've got a private credit division, a real estate division, and the renewables division. And Damien Dwin, who founded Lafayette Square, it's an impact investing platform. And I've known him for a while. And he was excited to, you know, have a renewables leg to Lafayette Square. When Chris King and I joined, Chris came over with me from Goldman Sachs as well. Chris was at Cypress Creek before that. We joined together and Damien's got a long history with Invenergy. So I'll hand it over to Jordan and he can talk about kind of, you know, how Lafayette Square and Invenergy came together. Yeah, thanks, John. And thanks for having us on the podcast, Benoit. So I'm Jordan Leventhal. I lead the growth and innovation team at Invenergy. Been in the energy industry since 2016 at Invenergy for the last four years, mostly focused on corporate strategies. So I've worked on launching new business units and projects spanning all of Invenergy's technologies, you know, between onshore wind, offshore wind, solar, battery storage, transmission, natural gas, and emerging technologies such as hydrogen, moderation storage, carbon capture. And earlier in 2021, based on this longstanding relationship between Invenergy's principals, Michael Polsky and Jim Murphy and Lafayette Square CEO, Damien Duin, we got together and started sketching out this concept for a joint venture that really is focused on community level impact. So Invenergy traditionally has focused on utility scale, you know, large scale projects. We're most well known for developing some of the largest wind and solar projects in the country. And we really wanted to take that expertise and scale and try to apply that to low-income communities across the country and saw a great opportunity to partner with Lafayette Square. They really bring a lot of this expertise in working at that level and with low-income communities and also with sort of the finance and tax expertise in that sector. So we're super excited to get this venture off the ground and be partnering with such a great firm like Lafayette Square. Yeah, that's a great background and intro. And I know like the press release was released on January 12th. And so it's only been you know two weeks since that point. But I know, George, and we were talking about this before in the pre-interview. It's just amazing. Like Invenergy is one of the biggest solar developers also announced 
earlier in January about the $3 billion investment from Blackstone Infrastructure Partners to accelerate renewable development activities. I know. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? I think that's really interesting as well. And, you know, I think our listeners would be very interested in hearing about that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're thrilled that Blackstone made this investment. You know, it really positions us as the largest privately owned renewables developer in the US. And I think we have some marquee projects that we're working on, such as our Grain Belt Express transmission line from Kansas to Indiana, our major solar project in Texas, a 1.3 gigawatt project in Texas. So I think that this investment really enables us to progress some of these major projects and really take our renewables business to a new level. So we're really excited about that. And you know, it also positions us well with Reactivate to really bring scalability to a market that as we see sort of the growth trajectory for community solar, it really enables us to scale this. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting to hear how the joint venture came about basically due to prior relationship with Invenergy and the CEO and founder of Lafayette Square, but also like what Invenergy's strengths are and obviously what Lafayette Square is. It would be great, John, if you could talk more about what you're focusing on and reactivate. I mean, one of the things about the press release was the goal of developing three gigawatts by 2030, which is, you know, an amazing goal. So it would be great to get your perspective on getting to that goal, but also really focusing on more detail on what Reactivate is focused on. Yeah, no, thanks, Benoit. So, you know, we were looking at the market and the size of the solar market in the United States and the size of the community solar market in the United States and how it's growing. You know, Reactivate's mandate is community solar, but it's also a small-scale utility. So I think to get to that three gigawatt mark, you know, it'll be a combination of community solar projects and call it, you know, 20 megawatt AZ small-scale utility projects. We're looking to kind of, as Reactivate, focus on getting solar cost savings to households that normally didn't have access to solar cost savings. So, you know, the community solar projects that we'll build, we're going to look to get as many low and moderate income households for the offtake. And when we build the projects, we're going to look to get as much workforce training done and as many apprenticeship hours on the projects as well. So I think we see solar as, you know, it's obviously a fast growing industry. We want to make it more inclusive and we want everyone in society to participate. You know, I think we can look historically at, you know, the benefits that's been for the most part middle class, upper middle class, and rich folks who have had the ability to put solar on their homes. And even through a third party ownership, home ownership, you know, the sun runs of the world, et cetera, you have to own your home to be able to pay to get that cost savings, right? So, you know, all the things that everyone knows about community solar, where it opens it up to apartment dwellers and people who live in affordable housing and people who maybe don't like the aesthetics of solar or, you know, it democratizes solar. So we see Reactivate as kind of solar 2.0, where we're going to get the cost savings to low and moderate income folks. And we're also going to get a lot of folks into the workforce who, you know, historically haven't been participating in the solar workforce. Yeah, definitely. That's a great explanation. And that's a huge like opportunity just because I feel like, as you mentioned, solar has really been really more for the upper middle class. Another key point is usually like there's a credit requirement. Usually it's 650 or more when you're talking about getting a power purchase agreement. I'm actually very familiar with what you're talking about because we're developing a solar project with the New York Housing Authority where we're giving the solar to LMI communities and workforce training. And so this is definitely like a huge opportunity. I guess it's more working with partners as far as coming up with customer acquisition or even like the workforce training because it's extremely complicated and unique. 
Yeah, for sure, Benoit. And it's great to hear that you're in the weeds on this stuff too. But I think the problem has been, as you alluded to, is folks were kind of reluctant to get LMI customers for community solar projects in the past because of that credit risk. You know, I think states like New York have done a good job of moving best practices and getting feedback from that developer and owner-operator community where they move towards consolidated billing, where you're facing the utility credit rather than the off-taker yes. credit. So That's I think constructs like that, and, you know, I know New Jersey's talking about moving towards consolidated billing as well. So, you know, I think things like that are helping financiers and the owner-operators of the projects get comfortable with LMI offtake. And, you know, as far as the workforce training, I'm glad to hear you're working with the New York City Housing Authority. You know, there is a workforce training requirement. And even the Build Back Better bill is yes. proposing apprenticeship hours. So, you know, it's something we need to kind of work with our EPC partners, work with our developer partners, work with the local community colleges. It's something we need to kind of stand up and do as an industry. And the great thing about the solar industry is, you know, you have folks who are in it for the right reason. You know, it's they've historically been folks who are worried about climate change. And so this is the type of industry that, you know, when workforce training requirements and getting cost savings to LMI, people get excited about it. And, you know, I'm excited that Reactivate, this is what we're focusing on. Because when I got into the solar industry, I was so excited to be working in solar because I was worried about climate change. Now we get to address climate change, but we also get to get cost savings to folks. Their energy bills are a big part of their budget, and we're going to be able to help them. And the workforce training is something that we talk about on a daily basis with Invenergy. And, you know, we're going to have to kind of create it to a certain extent, but we're excited for that challenge. That Lafayette Square might have some prior experience in this where it would be beneficial when it comes to developing community solar with customer acquisition with LMI communities and workforce training. John, can you talk a little bit about that experience that Lafayette Square has? Yeah, I mean, you know, so Chris King and I are coming at it. We've developed community solar projects in the past. So we know all of the subscriber organizations. We're talking to them constantly. You know, even there, you're seeing the evolution in the subscriber organizations, right? And you're seeing constructs like the community choice aggregation and model in New York, where it really lowers that initial subscription cost, right? Looked at it over time, like the cost to acquire a project and to manage the churn. I think a lot of the subscriber organizations are doing a great job kind of evolving and trying to, you know, make that more seamless for the owner operator and for the developers. So we've done community solar projects. We work with developers. And I think the thing about community solar are there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle, right? So there's a traditional development of a project, but then also making sure that you're getting the subscriber and if you have an anchor tenant or is there, you know, what percentage are LMI? Benoit, you're in New Jersey, right? You've seen the pilot program over the last two years. I think a lot of the states are pushing the public policy towards getting LMI offtake. And I think you're seeing the folks that are winning in New Jersey, they have 51% or more LMI offtake. And, you know, a lot of them might be cited on brown landfills. They have a workforce training component to it, right? You know, taking all of those best practices and the industry is evolving and it's not active in all 50 states right now. But I hope to see is through advocacy programs or industry leaders like DCSA, the Coalition for Community Solar Advocacy. You look at them and what they're doing, and then they're taking those best practices and we're evolving community solar and we're taking those to the next states that are passing legislation. So, you know, I think from Reactivate's point of view, we see that community solar really solves a lot of the problems associated with a lot of folks getting access to solar traditionally. And we'll see these best practices rolled out. And we think those best practices are going to be state policy that is guiding you toward getting LMI cost savings and also doing workforce training. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, where states are actively taking a role as well 
to basically incentivize developers to have LMI households involved in solar. As you mentioned, workforce development. You know, New York State obviously has, and New York City has incentives to do that. New Jersey as well for the community solar pilot. And then developers that added workforce training components to help their application process, which helped, you know, certain developers win a large share of the community solar market in the year two of the pilot. Can you talk about what maybe community solar markets reactivates focused on or first, I guess, small scale utility based on what you're seeing in the market? Our intent is for Reactivate to be a national developer of community solar and small utility scale solar. So the intent is to focus on you know the 20 plus states where community solar has been enabled by legislation. And for utility scale solar, we're really not limiting this venture to any particular market. I mean, that's part of what we think Invenergy brings you know, here is the experience working in markets all across the country. And so that's the intent for Reactivate. We're obviously in this energy transition right now. And I think there's a huge opportunity to build projects in you know places that maybe were traditionally dependent on coal mining or coal-powered yes. power plants. And those power plants are a source of property tax revenue. And those coal mines are a source of, obviously, jobs. And you know they're big parts of those communities. So as the energy transition is taking place, we see uh, small-scale utility projects being built where you can replenish that property tax base in some of these communities and get some of these folks who have great skills already, right? There are people out there who are great tradesmen, right, in what they do. Yeah. And we got to get them trained up on these jobs of the future, wind, solar, batteries, all these things that are coming down the pike that we all know are inevitable. We want to get folks trained on that and support our local community. And that's through property tax payments. That's through lease payments to the landowners. That's through educational programs at the local schools. I was a high school science teacher before I got into solar. I love teaching. I still go back and teach at my university. I just gave a presentation to a bunch of high school students in New York City about careers and renewables. This is the future. These are jobs that are going to be around for the, for the next century. And you know we're excited excited to be part of this energy transition in a great beneficial way. Invenergy's mission or business is really accelerating the sustainable energy transition. And I think what we saw here is an opportunity to ensure that the transition to sustainable energy is inclusive and equitable for you know, all Americans. And so we really hope to be a leader within Reactivate in driving that inclusivity and equity across the communities where we're operating. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's great to hear because I don't think a lot of renewable energy companies have said that's really their focus and goal, which is pretty innovative for Reactivate to do. And obviously, Invenergy and Lafayette Square to be a part of that. So that's great. Because I know, obviously, you know, things like climate justice, equity to low moderate income communities have been a very big discussion point, fair and equitable access to renewables for the past few years. So that's great that you guys have taken that. And that's kind of like your mantra for basically reactivate. I mean, you could just see kind of the incidence of asthma in the inner city, right? Because there's a lot of peaker plants located in these communities. So if we can take that particular matter and move all the buses, you're just going to see, you know, the health benefits and all the kind of echoes that come from that. Obviously, we're preaching to the choir here, but it just makes you excited to get up in the morning and, you know, that you're going to do something that you're proud of. And when I tell my kids what I'm doing, you know, I'm super proud of it. And I was always proud to be in solar, but now to, you know, be in solar where we can get folks trained up on new jobs and get LMI households, the cost savings of solar. You know, I tell everyone this and you know, I, I signed up for community solar two years ago. I'm a customer in New York City. I've worked in solar since 2006. There was no way I was ever able to go solar because I live in an apartment building. 
Well, I signed up for a community solar project that's located in Westchester County, and which is Con Ed territory. And I'm two years in and I've saved about $500. And, you know, it's just such a great thing to see that cost savings every month. And, you know, it's kind of the reverse Netflix. Instead of paying Netflix every month, you're getting a cost savings every month. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to look at it, for sure. It creates a lot of opportunity. As you said, energy costs is a huge expense for people. And if you could easily save between 10 to 20%, that makes a huge difference in their disposable income that they could pay, especially with how high inflation and everything else is getting, people have less money to spend. So that's huge because this gives an opportunity for people who never had access. So that's great to hear for sure. Yeah, we think of it as, uh, you know, we're solar 1.0 and now we're moving into solar 2.0 where what else can solar do besides just fighting climate change, which is, you know, obviously incredible, but what else can it do in the local communities? You know, that's kind of the thesis behind Reactivate. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that even now you're a teacher because really you're teaching new technology, a new way of, you know, people using renewable energy. And Jordan, you probably know, like just educating people about renewable energy is such an education process. It's gotten better as people have gotten more familiar, but even just to understand tax equity or the ITC or the state level incentive or how like the community solar pilot were to a landowner in New Jersey. So it is still is a pretty big education process, I'm sure. There are so many different jobs in the industry, right? Like who do we interact with on a daily basis? You're talking to lawyers, right? So there are lawyers in this industry. There's engineers, there's civil engineers, there's electrical engineers, there are project managers, there are construction jobs, right? So all of these jobs in solar, you know, there's the financing jobs and the guys who are great at Excel and tax equity structuring. There's development jobs. There's all these kind of add-ons. And then even, you know, when you get, when the project's up and operating, there's the operations and maintenance jobs and there's the vegetation abatement and the landscaping. You know, I cut lawns one summer and I've been talking to the guy I worked with in Rockland County, New York. I said, there's going to be so many solar farms in New York state that are going to need to be mowed a couple of times a year. You know, this is a big business opportunity. So, you know, it's just all those knock-on effects. And when you go into a community and you build a project and you eat at those local restaurants, right? And, you know, I think people are worried because there is no fuel, obviously. That's kind of the beauty of renewable. But you can see already it's starting to happen is the repowering, right? Yeah. I worked on projects back in 2006 that were like 200 you know, watt panels. Those projects can be repowered now. So there's going to be a constant repowering of wind, just like you're seeing with solar. There's always going to be these evolution. And then, you know, you're seeing jobs in the recycling of solar panels. And what can we do with those solar panels? Maybe we can take them to other places. They only degrade at a half a percent a year. So maybe those solar panels can find a home in Central America or Saharan Africa. So, you know, it really, to me, when I got into solar and started reading about it and the knock-on effects, and now you're seeing it happen with the electrification of transportation and hydrogen and everything else, it really is just an amazing thing. It definitely is pretty amazing. I think one of the key things that you mentioned, really solar is a technology, not a fuel. And that's how it's able to be the most cost competitive energy source out there. And that's what a lot of people you know, don't really understand. And the cost of the technology keeps going down and obviously the efficiencies of these panels. And they last you know, 25 to 30 years or even more and with minimal operations and maintenance, which... Yeah, you know. no, I mean, when I was working at SunTech, the 72 cell panel we were selling, I think the highest wattage was 270 five watts 
And, wow. you know, that same frame now you're seeing like, you know, 390 plus, and then they have the bigger frame modules. I was at an intersolar and talking to my friend at Jinko, and you see these 580 watt panels now, you know, <laughs> obviously there's more cells there, but it's just, you're seeing the constant evolution and, you know, single axis trackers were not kind of the standard and now they're the standard. Bifacials were not the standard. Yes. Now bifacials are the standard. So it's everyone in the industry working to try to optimize the system and try to get as many clean megawatt hours out of these pieces of land. I think there was a report from uh, Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory released last week about you know the acreage how many acres do you need mm -hmm. to build solar and how that's come down so much over the last decade so it's all just moving in the right direction and it's just been great to be part of the you know the solar coaster gets a derogatory <laughs> it maybe has a derogatory <laughs> connotation but you know i love being on the solar coaster and you know i'm gonna ride it till the end <laughs> for sure there's a pretty long runway with solar it's just beginning it's such a still a very small percentage of install generation in the u.s so for sure, it's like an exciting and growing roller coaster, which will grow so much more exponentially by 2030 compared to where it is right now in 2022, for sure. And like we were talking before, when Community Solar came out, you know, everyone was kind of trying to, and it really started in like, you know, Colorado and Minnesota and pretty interesting concept. And you've just seen the evolution just also of that business model and that public policy. And to me, you know, when Chris and I were looking at community solar, we were like, wow, this is really a great product, you know, to get access to solar for folks who normally don't have access. And like I said, you know, I signed up for it and I've tried to get everyone I know to sign up for it, not because I get a $25 referral fee, but I do. And uh, <laughs> no, just because I let them know, like, look, you live in New York City, you can go solar and you can save money. And it's, it's so easy. Yeah, definitely. I think it's huge. And it's different from a third party, you know, energy supplier where you're basically, this is a discount that you're getting and it's, you know, locked in for a certain period of time. Yeah. I mean, we always get those mailers, you know, sign up for green energy. And then if you read the fine print, the cost per kilowatt hour is more expensive than more expensive. what you're paying, right? And yeah. I guess they're retiring greenies from Texas Wind or whatever they're doing, but I don't know. It just doesn't ring true to me. So to be able to sign up for a community solar project, you know, I remember going to planning board meetings for projects, utility scale projects that we were doing on Long Island. And you were paying a lot in property taxes, which did resonate with people, right? Because you're not using the schools, you're not using the fire department, you're not using the sewer system. So all that money is going kind of directly to the local municipality. But a lot of the homeowners after the meetings would come up to me and say, hey, you know, all that energy is just going to the Long Island Power Authority and I'm not going to see a cost savings from this on my yeah. bill. When you go in and you do a project, you know, in a local community with community solar, you can say to them at the planning board meeting, hey, sign up for this project. I want you to sign up for it. Then I don't have to pay a subscriber organization to, to uh, get you to sign up for it. <laughs> that's true. And that's actually like the direct benefit of having localized energy where the retail or residential customer is getting an economic benefit than just the utility, right? And the ratepayer might not see that benefit and cost, you know, from their pockets. So that's a great yeah, point. Yeah, no, it's great. Then you can imagine a 10-year-old or 15-year-old kid driving by that community solar farm and his family subscribed to it and maybe it sparked something. And then you got the next uh, solar maverick, Benoit, out there. Gonna, <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's a great point. I mean, I'm just excited to be in uh, this call with all mavericks because you guys are really thought leaders in industry doing amazing things in what you're doing. Doing. You know, what's exciting to me about like learning about Reactivate is like there's just so many different technologies that you're looking at. You're open to all 50 states. Can you talk about like when potentially you would want to invest in a project? And I know that you're also planning like later on to develop projects on your own. It would be great to understand more of that, you know, for our listeners who are 
you know, developers and potentially would want to show you projects. Yeah. I think right now, like you alluded to, we are going to do greenfield development and start planting those seeds. But, you know, as you know, those seeds need to be watered and they need some sunlight and some photons to grow. So that'll take a little while to harvest. But in the interim, you know, we're working with developers who will bring the projects to Nodeed, you know, development notice to proceed, mm-hmm. which would, you know, in our minds, that's projects fully permitted. You know, they've got their interconnection agreement. They've secured any incentives from the state. They've got phase one ESA. They've got an ALTA survey. Hopefully, you know, if it's a ground mount, they've done some geotech work so we can get some certainty on what the ED price for that project is going to be. So generally, we work with developers is we'll buy the projects from them at notice to proceed. We'll handle the subscriber organization. We'll handle subscribing the project. You know, a lot of these projects need to be fully subscribed. It's like 60 days before COD. So we'll be the counterparty to the EPCs and work with the EPCs, as we alluded to before, on workforce training. So that's normally how we would work with kind of greenfield developers in terms of, you know, what their scope of work is. We do the due diligence on the projects and then, you know, we'd have a MIPO or purchase and sale agreement and buy the projects from them at that time. And there'll be some milestone payments along the way. And that's great that you're making the developers focus on what they're good at and what their strengths are, and then basically handling like everything else, which I think is a differentiator for sure in the market when it comes to investment. You know, I, I kind of describe myself as a, a jack of all, master of none. So I've done development when I'm talking to the developers and understanding, you know, their pain points and they'll negotiate a pilot agreement for property taxes or understanding like who at the, you know, the local planning board after we buy the project with them, who we should be interacting with. These projects are not just spreadsheets, right? You are in the community. We want to be in the community. And I want to make sure that our face and presence is felt everywhere and that we're building these projects, we're getting cost savings, but that we're also getting into the community. We're working with the schools, teaching about careers and renewables, all of that stuff. So I think I'm repeating myself here, but maybe it's just because I'm on my third cup of coffee here. But <laughs> hey, it's an important point to talk about for sure. It's about the community. You know, that's a big part of what the developers are doing for pilot taxes, permitting, even interconnection yeah. with the local utility, like having that relationship. So I think it's great. You can't just be like a finance person because then you're not yeah. able to like communicate and build that rapport with the developer and to understand and then to understand the risks, right? And then how to model it, especially yeah, like sure. on a, a MIPA where there's, you know, assumptions based on changing economics and to understand. Yeah, that. we've all been through that and trying to, you know, get on the same page with the developer in terms of what is the production for this project, right? Like yes. how many kilowatts is it going to produce? Yeah. What are your assumptions for soiling? What are your assumptions for degradation? What are your assumptions for light-induced degradation? So, you know, having an understanding and experience with that stuff and being able to talk to the same language as the developers and being a good partner with them because you know how it is, Benoit. You want to be able to rinse and repeat. In theory, that's what everyone wants to do. For sure. I think it was a philosopher, Homer Simpson, who said, Marge, in theory, <laughs> communism works. So, you know, in theory, that's what everyone wants to do. But I just want to be a good partner to our developer partners and to our local communities. And I think that's kind of the mind frame we're coming at it from is it's not only ice cream, but it's ice cream with sprinkles on it. For sure. <laughs> I love it. But that gets to a great point, John. With Reactivate, the platform that you're creating, it's about scalability. And you're really talking about scalability with relationships with developers because it's so hard to close that first one that if you're able to do repeat business, like you've agreed on the docs, everything you've negotiated, things change, that you could come to like a quick agreement on things. These things really like save time and cost and 
allow you to basically get to the goals of three gigawatts by 2030. So that's an important point we're talking about. And having the right partners in terms of, you know, local council and being able to, you know, go through all the project documentation and kind of having a process to do that, you know, fairly quickly. We've worked, obviously, Invenergy works on a lot of utility scale projects, and I've worked on utility scale projects. Even on these smaller projects, you know, you can imagine just between the permits and the interconnection and the leases, there's a lot of documentation for just every single project as well. So in order for us to get to that three gigawatt goal, you know, we have to make sure that we're using technology properly and being able to process these projects quickly and be a good partner to our development partners and our EPC partners. I mean, we're also thinking about Reactivate as a a highly technology-enabled development platform in that in order to achieve scale, we're going to need to be very efficient and both from a development standpoint and also from the financing side of things, really making sure that we're enabling efficiency through technology is going to be critical to scale this. And I think you know both Invenergy and Lafayette Square bring a lot of those capabilities from our other businesses that we can apply to reactivate. Yeah, that's really interesting talking about Jordan technology. And it's interesting too, because that could apply to software solutions, potentially like AI as well. I'm curious to kind of see like over time what you integrate because there's so many different businesses that both companies are involved in and specifically like Invenergy on the development side of renewable energy. That'll be really interesting and cutting edge with Reactivate and the platform. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's a lot of the investment right now is just standing up those processes, you know, software automation to make sure that we can have impact, but scalable impact across the country. I know we talked a lot about like community solar, small scale utility solar projects, but can you also talk about like the next generation projects that you're involved in the future? So the focus in the near term as we launch Reactivate really is on solar, community solar, small utility scale solar, but we do anticipate we hope to expand into other technologies that are key to the energy transition. So those might include battery storage. And Energy has been involved in battery storage for over a decade. We have a ton of experience developing, constructing, and operating storage. So applying that experience to reactivate and developing distributed storage projects in low-income communities, we definitely see that as an opportunity. Electric vehicle charging Right. There's definitely an opportunity to expand access to EV charging in low income communities. We've also talked about projects around energy efficiency, right? Energy efficiency is going to be core to the energy transition. And so that's another great opportunity to drive savings for low income communities. So at this point, I don't know that we can provide a ton of detail on how we anticipate getting into those areas, but they're areas that we have prior expertise. And we definitely think that there's a huge opportunity for Reactivate to grow into those areas over time. You're basically coming up with that energy solution for the low moderate income when you include energy efficiency, community solar, some sort of energy retrofit, maybe in the future, energy storage, obviously EV. I know you don't want to go into a lot of detail, but it could be like a total energy solution for people you know, who don't have like the financial means or low moderate income. So that's really interesting to hear. I think that's right. I think that's right. You know, generation storage and the load side of the equation, right? Thinking for about sure. the whole value chain. You're basically thought about all of that and then trying to incorporate it, which obviously is the most challenging aspect of it. And it's going to change so much in the next few years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where we're excited about Reactivate is really an innovation platform for low-income communities. Like Solar, obviously, is a great opportunity for low- to moderate-income communities. But 
there are all these other technologies that are up and coming. And we want to make sure that we can use Reactivate as a platform to expand access to all of these technologies in the future. I mean, I think Invenergy is probably one of the biggest developers of storage in the US, you know, far ahead of a lot of other developers. So having like that perspective and expertise, not just all the experience you have with solar and wind and then moving to EV charging and some of this other stuff. It's pretty Absolutely. like innovative then to take that to the reactive platform. That's right. That's right. Can you talk about, and obviously both of your experiences at Invenergy and Lafayette Square, what trends are you seeing in the solar industry? There's always good and bad, right? The good is we're seeing exponential growth across the board. Demand for renewables is higher than it's ever been. And as we look at the projections to 2030 for solar across the board, I mean, it's pretty mind-boggling to see what different analysts are forecasting. So that's utility scale, distributed generation, community solar. It's a really strong growth story. I think with growth, obviously, always comes challenges. And I think we're also experiencing supply chain disruptions, which is not unique to the utility or to the solar industry, but we're definitely seeing disruptions in panels and trackers and transformers, other equipment. You know, the best sites have been taken in a lot of markets across the country. So you have to deal with more challenging topography, geology, hydrology, you know, permitting, right? As we're experiencing some of these growing pains, I think it's natural, but we're definitely excited for the opportunity as the industry really hits its next phase of growth in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing community solar just growing as a percentage of the market share. And, you know, some of these arguments about solar and public policy are being played out real time right now. You see what's going on in California and discussion around net metering right now, right? And I think a lot of that, you know, they're trying to put fixed charges and not compensate at retail and give you a reimbursement rate for kilowatt hours that you support back into the grid. The counter argument on that is that it is energy equity and justice that if you do have solar on your house and you're getting that cost savings, maybe there's folks who don't have access to that. So I think community solar kind of does address some of those issues. We do see it as you know kind of an elegant solution and there's so many households in the country that for whatever reason, whether it's they live in an apartment building, whether they don't have a south-facing roof, whether there's trees, they just can't put solar on their house. And having a local community solar farm that's going to pay property taxes that everyone can subscribe to, that can be kind of a beacon for folks to you know look at and say like, we're cleaning up the air in our community. We're doing the right thing for climate change and we're inspiring the next generation. To me, is you know, it's the best of everything. This has been an amazing interview. I appreciate both of you making the time. If our audience, who we call Mavericks, are interested in learning more about Reactivate, what's the best way for them to do that? Visit the website, reactivate.com. And there's a form there where you can put in your details and send a note. Those are coming into my inbox and I'm responding to all of them. And, you know, would love to touch base. And then if you can follow us on LinkedIn for any ongoing announcements about Reactivate, that would be great. I think those are probably the best ways to get in touch with us right now. Definitely. And we'll have that on the notes of the podcast as well. Reactivate's website, both of your LinkedIn profiles as well, so that people can get in touch. And this has been an amazing interview. I appreciate the opportunity opportunity of discussing the joint venture with Reactivate. And I wish you luck in the future. And I look forward to hearing about the progress. Thank you again for being on the show. Thanks, Benoit. Love the podcast. Love what you're doing. Thanks for having us on today. Oh, yeah, thanks so much, Benoit. This has been great. 
Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangin and Kevin Y. Brown.